Hey, hey, I'm Rebecca. This is a podcast for all my single friends out there and for anyone who's ever been single. Cue the laughs, life lessons, and all things love. Welcome to Dating in the Bay. Now, let's get to it. Howdy, howdy. Welcome to today's episode. I'm thrilled to bring you Gary Kremen. He's actually the Match.com founder who revolutionized our dating world as we know it. So we're going to talk about it, how he created Match.com in 1995, and then the rest is history and modern dating has never been the same ever since. We're going to talk about how the app websites transitioned to the apps. He also created Sex.com. And now he's really into water and sustainability and education. So we're going to get into all of those things. And I actually met Gary about six years ago. We worked in the same startup incubator office space in San Francisco. And I reached out to Gary a couple months ago because I was like, Gary, I think you're probably the perfect person that I could have on my podcast because you literally revolutionized our entire dating world. And he's responsible for millions and millions of babies being born. So without further ado, let me share my interview with Match.com founder, Gary. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I figured you'd be the perfect person to talk to about modern dating. I'm here to help you and your audience to the extent I know anything. (laughs) I think you know a lot of things. So how did you create Match.com? Well, you know, good ventures sometimes come from someone trying to solve a problem. And I was trying to solve a problem of trying to get more dates. And uh, back then, you could imagine it was more challenging to get dates. It was just who you know, or going out to bars. And it was a very inefficient process. So one small technological innovation was newspapers. And people used to put ads in the back of the paper. That was probably before your time. But some maybe of your older folks remember, there used to be personals in the back. And I would do these personals. And I would always get disappointed because the expectations when I met person, the person wouldn't meet what they wrote. So at the same time, I was doing some early things in email, and I wondered, could someone send me a picture in email instead? This is before the web existed. So I came up with the idea of, well, maybe people could email me a profile, and I could get an audio recording or a video recording attached. Trying to solve my problem of spending all this money on the 900 numbers, because that's how the personal companies would make money. Interesting. So... The ads in the newspaper were the primary way that you were getting your dates then? It was one way. I had a large strategy. Okay. What was the broad overarching strategy? Giving a reward to my friends. Okay. That was one strategy. <laughs> if you set me up with the person I marry, you get a trip to wife or two. That's how you found your wife, right? It was. Yeah, I, I saw that. I was doing what everyone else was doing. You know, asking friends, going out to bars, a very inefficient process. It is super inefficient. Well, it was before. Now we have online dating. Right. So I read that you had a small team working on Match.com and then you had encouraged everybody to make profiles and then your girlfriend at the time made one and then found somebody else. Is that true? Did you still keep her on the team? She wasn't on the team. She was just kind of hanging around. But she's still around. I still talk to her occasionally from time to time. I'm just kind of curious your thoughts on what the current state of affairs are for modern dating, because from when you started it and like conceptualized it to now, it's pretty different. Did you think that you were onto something as big as it is now? Or did you have other things in mind that actually have not been realized today? 
Well, I mean, even I, I had a bigger vision beyond dating. I mean, I kind of had the Craigslist vision. That's how I ended up with jobs.com and autos.com and housing. I just saw dating as one of the things you could do online, not just find a date, find a car. But within dating, other than kind of the more location-based dating, I kind of, and, and more visual, I did see it being pretty big. I thought we'd have more video than we had now today. Well, now there's so much video. Every first date now is all FaceTime video because of COVID. Sure, but we didn't even have real-time communication like that. The internet wasn't robust to support that. I would thought people's profile. They used to have something called Great Expectations, which would be video profile. I thought we would people would just uh, get pictures up there. I thought they would put more video up there, and that never evolved into the way I thought it would. Or more audio recordings. You don't see that very much. I called that one wrong, but the thing about the pictures, I saw that. Yeah. Can we talk about your sex.com stories? Because I feel like that's super fascinating. Sure. Yeah. I saw that people who made newspapers were making tons of money. So I, I registered all the domain names that you would see in the newspaper, in the back of the newspaper and the classifieds. In fact, that was the name of the company, like jobs.com, autos, housing, property, match. And I, you know, I kind of looked at some of the alternative newspapers and some of the ads they had and Kind of as a joke, I said, well, what about sex.com? Seems like you see a lot of that in the back of the newspaper. So that was one of the names I registered. And uh, I wasn't doing anything with it. I was so focused on Match that someone stole it from me. They kind of convinced the registrar, someone there to turn it over to them. And when I complained, they said the registrar, which is now a very big company called Verisign, they said, well, we're not going to go give it back to you. I sued them and I sued the guy who did it, who turned out to be a five-time convicted felon. And I got in uh, one of the longest lawsuits in the area out here. But eventually I won. Phew. (laughs) A summary of the story. (laughs) So at what point did you, because like I know you sold Match pretty early on. Can you talk about that and then lessons you learned from doing that? Sure. So Eventually, I raised some money to grow Match.com. It was growing at 1% or 2% a day. Incredible growth rates. And the thing about it is back then, the investors really didn't understand content. They were used to technology. And when they kind of started reading some of the profiles, they tend to be, they were very conservative. And their investors, where they came up with the money, were conservatives. And they said, I can't believe there's some gay dating on the pro. Two gay guys or two women would take that down. And that's, you know, what if the pension funds behind us saw that and they'll get mad at us? And I said, I'm not taking it down. So we had some big arguments about that. And they became intolerable, the arguments. And eventually they forced me to sell the company at a very low price. Jeez, I didn't realize that was because of it. That's crazy. Well, you know, back then, maybe people viewed things differently. The idea that two men would try or two women would find each other offended them. You know, this was in the 90s. Now, from my yeah. point of view, I thought it was awesome. But, you know, they, they said, well, what if, you know, again, what if the people behind us find out we would lose our jobs? That's crazy. Really shocking. Well, you know, maybe you're a little bit younger how things used to be back then. Yeah. The laws were different. People's uh, beliefs were different. And there were some of us more progressive than others. Yeah. So I guess, especially now where, I mean, because now Match owns Tinder, Hinge. Okay, Cupid. Have you been following it, the modern dating world now? Yeah, yeah. What do you think about everything? 
Well, I did see the vision that there was a network effect, kind of like you see in Facebook or LinkedIn, that the more people you have on your platform, the more people you're going to get on your platform, the more people at a party, the more people who want to come to the party. So I did see that kind of as a vision. And I did see kind of a lot of the vertical, you know, there would be a Christian singles. I definitely saw that, that not everyone would want to be in the same database. Not everyone would want long-term dating. Some people would want hookups. I definitely saw there being different markets. Yeah. I'm okay with it. <laughs> I'm okay with it. Different people want different things. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. What's the best dating advice that you ever received? Well, that's a question no one's ever asked me before. I like that. Oh, there you go. You know, just really be careful about not always judging the one you're with against the one you could be with and just realize it's really tough sometimes to move. There's a lot of people who spend a lot of time over trading, I will say. I remember I dated this one girl who had a mathematical formula and uh, for figuring out when to move on to the next person. Don't always believe those formulas. Try to work things out because it's always hard to find the new person. There's a lot of friction in the system, if that makes any sense. Yeah, that really resonates because that's actually my biggest issue with the current modern world is that people are so disposable now because there's always, in the swiping culture, it's there's someone hotter, someone younger, someone more successful. There's always like that. You can always go back to the apps to go, you know, so if you go on a date, you could go home and then keep swiping and you're never satisfied. And I think there's a cost to that that people don't think about. We'll call this the swiping culture. It takes time to get to know someone and get trust. And if you add up, if you're always swiping and you're always comparing the person you're with next to the vision of the, the next swipe, it gets in the way of success. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. People don't take that into consideration. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, I've been doing this for a while. I'm kind of tired of it, but I'm still going to keep... It's like basically the only way to meet anybody right now. So... I'm going to keep plugging through, but yeah, it's definitely uh, a roller coaster. <laughs> it, and, and that roller coaster has a cost to it, a mental cost to it, that roller coaster. So, and it, I think it gets people away from doing harder work of trying to work through things because like, you know, let's say you're on day two or three and something's not perfect. It doesn't mean you can't solve those. You can't work on it or take into consideration that on average, it's going to be better than that next person you go home to swipe with. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And that's been a problem. That's a problem with it being so quick to swipe and find someone new. Yeah. Do you have any ideas of how we could solve that? I think that's just a, like you say, it takes a little time to kind of realize that's not the best strategy. I think everyone's different also. Everyone has a different level of patience. Yeah. People sometimes have pretty unrealistic expectations too, because a picture is not the person. Mm -hmm. That's really true. You can read your vision into it. You can read your desires and dreams into it. But it's just a person. Even on a first date, you can kind of read, Rebecca, all that stuff into it. But it doesn't mean that's reality. Yeah. What's surprised you the most from seeing where we are today in like the modern dating world? Well, I'll tell you one is that people are finding much more diversity in their picks than they used to. Because think about it before. You were just limited to your friends or acquaintances or who you see out at a bar. Now you can connect with someone who you'd never have access to, whether it be orientation or gender or race or national origin or location. I think it allows people to, you know, there's a saying in business, more contacts equal more contracts. 
I think it's added to diversity. I think it's been a great thing. Yeah, definitely. And then, wait, so now you're a dad. Can you talk about how that all transpired? And are you still with the person that the Hawaii trip? I am not. Oh, okay. But this is, I do have some kids from that. It's going well. We met online. Yeah. What site did you guys meet on? Well, you know, I don't think I'll go into which dating site. (laughs) Okay. Fair enough. It's a great example of who knows how you connect. You know, maybe you're going to connect with someone because of their politics. You know, that's that's one of the, I think, the problems with being, I'm, I'm sure everyone says this, even if they're even great looking, because they probably have the opposite problem, you know, too many people. But sometimes if you can find someone whose diversity of thought could click with you, it's an awesome thing. Or someone who can, who's someone who can teach you something you don't know. Like I just got scored something today that I'm now in the doghouse that I deserved. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> As you call, I was being thrown in the doghouse, but I deserved Oh, no. <laughs> have you ever been there? I have, but now I just live alone. So. Oh no! Say it's not so. Why? Who do you want to up with? <laughs> what are you looking for? I'm looking for somebody nice, kind, funny. Forget it. <laughs> Give it up. No, just joking. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, if you know anybody, I love being set up. Girls, boys, you don't know yet. Men, yes. Okay, where do you live? San Francisco. Oh, in the city? Yeah. Yeah, give it up. Forget it. Gary. <laughs> They've all laughed. 30% of them laughed. All the good ones have laughed. I was wondering what the percent was of how many people had left because the apps are literally a desert. <laughs> well, they say 30% of the people have left. That's it. And the 30% with jobs have left. <laughs> well, so now there's nobody. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm literally going to be here alone forever. So what's your geographic location? Will you do Oakland? Will you do... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said a wide radius. Okay, well, that's good. So I think one of the big things people have is they set their criteria too small, their age criteria, their height criteria, their weight criteria. And I understand why they do that. But I think that hurts them. Yeah, no, I'm very broad. I mean, I'm 5'2", so any height is fine by me. Good. That's one of the biggest problems I see, by the way. Yeah. People have crazy height restrictions. Oh, I got to be dating someone who's six, a man who's six too, you know? And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I know. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I feel like I, I'm 33. So I usually do like 29 to 43 or 44, which I think is pretty broad, pretty generous. That's pretty broad. That's pretty broad. Yeah. I assume working, you like men working. Yes. Employment is always encouraged. Employment, you don't want anyone sponge on you and uh, you hate that. No. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. Do you care what occupation they're in or does it really matter to you? No, I'm flexible. I know a couple guys that could be good for you. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Are you from San Francisco originally? In the East Bay. Oh, people won't date 925, people from 925. No, just joking. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really going to die alone. (laughs) No, no, no. (laughs) Cats, dogs, do you care? So I I have a cat and I love cats and dogs. I volunteer at the animal shelter. So I love, yeah, I love all pets. Oh, I have a perfect guy for you. (gasps) Really? In fact, he blew off a date with this girl. That I know, maybe it won't be perfect because he goes, I don't have a quality person to sit for my cats. Oh, actually, fair enough. Okay. Okay, Mark, he's really good. Yes, he loves cats. Oh, good. Because, like, you know, a lot of men don't like women that have cats. I know. 
What do you think about that? Because I just find it so, I usually don't even tell people that I have a cat because they are so weird about women having cats. I think you're right. I think that's, that's one of those unfortunate things that uh, get in the way. But I think I've heard that from many a man, you know, oh, got a cat. Yeah, it's not like I'm harboring a raccoon or some weird exotic animal. It's a cat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. There's no winning sometimes. Exactly. And, and hopefully your podcast listeners understand that. Sometimes there's no winning, right? Yeah, sometimes. You found like a lot of it. There's a desert out there right now. Yeah. So on Bumble, I'm not even kidding. They showed me this one guy who... Because you can change your location now in Bumble, so you could do travel mode. So this random guy who's in Paris, who's in an open relationship, they show him to me all the time. Like it's the only person that I'm shown is this Parisian guy who's just putting his location in San Francisco, but he's not even in San Francisco. What's happened to the quality of men these days? Isn't that a good question? That is a great question. What has happened? I don't know. All of my single female friends are true catches. Like they have graduate degrees. They're like badasses. And then the men, it's like, wait, where are they? Exactly. They might be a little intimidated, you know? I think there's a a little bit of that out there. Maybe. But then it's like they always men say they want these things, that they want a successful, independent woman. But then when you actually are that person, then they're like, no, I actually want like not you. (laughs) Right. From Union City or something like that. Or Union City. Yeah, no, I didn't mean to. (laughs) You shouldn't have any challenges other than this cat thing. In theory. And just that I think now that I'm 33, it seems like guys assume so much more. Because you don't know what their age range is. So they assume that like you want to have babies, that you're like going to hold them, like that you just want to go get married right then. But that's like what I've noticed that they assume. 33 is kind of a tough age in that way, right? Yeah. They probably think you think your fertility is dropping. You're probably taking Clomid on your dates or something like that. Yeah. That like, I'm just being like interrogating them. I'm like, no, it's actually the opposite. I'm literally just like, do I even like you? <laughs> Am I repulsed by you? <laughs> <laughs> do I want to see you for a second drink? I don't know. Right. Do I want to stay for a second drink? I don't know. Right. And even if you can have drinks during COVID. Yeah, exactly. Outside freezing in a park, drinking cold wine. Right. Isn't that really romantic? Not. It's awful. Like having to wear a mask and then being like, are you that person? I can't tell because I can't even see your face. So do you think there's going to be like a dearth of babies like now or a dearth of relationships uh, like 12 months from now because of this? So I think a lot of people got together early on in COVID. There were like a lot of like, it was kind of a, like a big cuffing season. But then now I think people just collectively are really tired. It's freezing outside. It gets dark at 4.45. And then you can even go to an outside restaurant to meet. So then you can't go sit in the park at night. That work taboo, you know, that's happened. People don't want to get fired because they're of the belief probably correctly. It's not a good idea to date someone you work with or even at a vendor or the UPS woman or man who comes to the office. So I, I think that's gotten really tough. Yeah. I used to meet most people that I would go on dates with in person. And now I can't meet anybody in person because I'm just at home all day working in my bedroom. But not COVID just because it's not correct to do it anymore. You know, you can get admonished in the work environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I think a lot of men will feel like, oh, I can't date someone I work with or even someone affiliated with work because it's somehow going to have a backfire. I think that's gender neutral because a lot of women have more power today. Yeah, it's definitely, especially now because I haven't even met because I started a new job. So I onboarded remotely. Actually, when I lived in DC and worked at a lobby firm, they banned us from being friends with anybody or dating anybody. Right, right. What's it like being a dad now? And what have you learned the most in post-child world? First of all, being a dad is great. It's above expectations. It really is. You know, patience. You can't negotiate with children or um, an infant. You know, you got to do it their way. Yeah. And you learn to go without sleep. How about that? It's pretty good. Like a superpower. It is a superpower. (laughs) I wish I could get by without sleep. Okay, what else do you want to talk about dating? I guess just like any last parting words of advice. And because a lot of my listeners, I have a huge contingency in India, actually. But they're all over, mostly the US, Canada, and India. So if you have any parting words on how to have a successful relationship and then any dating advice, that would be awesome. Well, how about this? Don't give up. A lot of folks are giving up more than they should. And I would say don't panic, but don't be too picky. The pickiness is oh, this person has a cat. What can I do? That is stupid. Oh, this person is from maybe a different caste. Oh, my parents would have an issue with that. Ignore that stuff. There is nothing wrong with thinking out of the box. How about that? I love that. I'm going to like make that my mantra now. Seriously, don't be so judgmental. Are you judgmental? No. I used to be like when I first started dating, I was pretty judgy, but then I made a conscious decision to really not. Because the more that you judge others, you're really just judging yourself. So stop judging myself, stop judging other people, and then just enjoying it. And like dating is supposed to be fun. I think sometimes people forget that part. I think people totally forget that it can be fun. People should make it a fun process, not a grind. It's not a job. It's not a job. Yeah, exactly. It should be fun. Even if, like, let's say the person doesn't meet your expectations, don't make it a bug. Make it a feature. Like, let's say, maybe they have hygiene challenges and they're, like, really into video games. Well, maybe you could learn something about video games. You don't have to, like, kiss them or sleep with them. You can maybe get something out of it. How about that? Yeah. Everything is, like, a lesson. And also, I feel like anything that can be changed within a 30-second thing, like, let's say someone doesn't have good hygiene because they have bad breath. All they have to do is give them a little feedback to be like, hey, why don't you, like, have this breath mint or, like, whatever. Something they could change shouldn't be a reason to reject somebody. If it's really a fundamental values-based thing, like, oh, we're politically like too different or like our values are different. Yeah, but it's like, it's like you just need to brush your teeth. That would be so sad if like, you just like rejected somebody because of that silly thing that they could fix in a heartbeat that they probably want to fix, they just didn't know. Or, or maybe they think for the rest of their life, that person had enough guts to tell me that like I'm wearing my, I had bad breath or I was wearing my hat weird or my clothes sucked or I talked too much about Trump. Well, maybe that's a tough one, but whatever. (laughs) I agree with you. Well, and it's like, if anybody really rejects somebody off of something that's so superficial, it's like, well, then you're lost because you don't deserve that person anyway. Exactly. Oh, I totally agree with you on these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think people just need to be more, just like more open-minded and less judgy. I think people should get tattoos. Okay. Hannah tattoos that say less. How about that? We get judgy and put them on our 
our palms. Yeah. And we look down. We could get matching ones. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I've done matching dates. I did a liposuction date once. We both got liposuction on the date. Wait, what? You heard me. <laughs> was that a first date? No, it was like maybe a fourth <laughs> date. Wow. Maybe a fifth date. And we both got liposuction. Well, there you go. That's a new one. I've never heard of a liposuction date. Mm-hmm. And I didn't criticize what the person needed to get it for. And they didn't criticize me. And, and the judgment went away. Okay, I don't recommend just like oh, it's getting liposuction. But I recommend get rid of your voice of judgment. How about that? Yeah, I like that. And if you want to go get liposuction, more power to you. That's right. All righty. <laughs> that was a wild ride with Gary. I feel like we covered business, match.com. Plus, he had some really, really on point spot on dating advice, which leads me to the dating hack of the week. Pretty much to piggyback off of what Gary was saying, stop being so picky, be open-minded, give people a chance and don't discard people so easily. Dating outside of your type, quote unquote, that's what I'm trying to work on. Not repeating the same patterns. It's actually a really big difference. I'm working on it. So with that, thank you guys so much for listening. 